Many of you know that in my former life, I was a CPA. I began with Arthur Young in the late 80s when there were still the big eight accounting firms. And when I started in the audit department, there was this large class of new hires. And we began with a two-week training course. We had a big manual, and we had homework, and we had worksheets that we had to turn in. And at the end of that two-week training, they divided us into two teams to have a kind of quiz show competition over what we had learned. I am embarrassingly competitive. And so all they had to do was say there were teams and a competition and winners and losers, and I was all up in it. You know, We were pretty low tech back then, so they lined the two teams up. And they said, if you know the answer when we read the question, raise your hand, and we'll call on the first hand up. So they started asking their questions. My hand shot up. Yes, Mary. And I gave them the answer. Well, it kind of became a joke that I was always getting my hand up first and answering. So some of the folks on the other team signaled the guy standing next to me, Chris, to block my arm on the next question. <laughs> they asked another question. My hand shot up, and I got it right. But everyone started laughing, and I didn't know what was going on. And when Chris finally stopped laughing, he said, well, when they asked the question, I went to block your arm, but it shot up so fast, I didn't get there in time. <laughs> this kind of obnoxious teacher's pet display is how I picture Peter. Last week, we were told that while Jesus is walking with his disciples, he asked them, who do people say the Son of Man is? And the disciples answer him, some say Elijah, some John the Baptist, some one of the prophets. And then Jesus asks, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter's hand shoots up. I know, I know, you are the Messiah. And Jesus heaps praises upon Peter. You are a rock and you will be the foundation of the church. Peter must have been so proud. But once Jesus gets the answer he's looking for, he moves on to our passage for today. He begins teaching what it means to be the Messiah. It won't mean kingship and reestablishing Israel as a powerful and independent people, which is the Messiah that Peter and the Jews are hoping for. No, it will be much more humble than that. It will mean rejection and suffering and death. Shockingly, this does not sound like good news to the disciples. They have left their jobs, their homes, their families. And now Jesus is telling them that that is just the beginning of the sacrifice. Peter, who's feeling pretty confident with his ding-ding Messiah answer, is emboldened to take Jesus on. No, Lord, this can't be. You just stop this crazy talk. And for this, he receives the harshest rebuke that Jesus gives anyone in all of Scripture. Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Then he turns and he tells everyone within earshot, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. This is one of those hard sayings of Jesus, and yet it is the essence of Christian discipleship. Christ's call is unconditional in its demand. It's not a cute accessory or an impressive resume item. It is life-changing. 
It's not something that disciples do in addition to their normal life. It undergirds and is the starting point of every breath taken, of every step walked, of every task completed, and of every relationship established. This denial is not a retreat from the world, but a life that is grounded in the assurance that it is God's world. Losing oneself is dying daily to our self-centeredness so that we may better love and give ourselves over to the people in our lives. You know, living into this kind of self-surrender is a, a bit of a prefiguring of death. In death, we are asked to give up life as we know it, to surrender everything to this incomprehensible otherness that is God. And yet, paradoxically, giving ourselves away doesn't make us less whole. It moves us toward wholeness. We must die a multitude of deaths to our egos and our self-centeredness and our weakness in order to become the fullness of who God has created us to be. Jesus' challenge is to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. So let's briefly look at each of these components of discipleship. Denying oneself is not about squashing our desires or delayed gratification. It's not about foregoing that Oreo cookie or a glass of wine. It is not about sublimating ourselves and who we are to make others happy. Self-denial in the healthy Christian sense has nothing to do with others' expectations and opinions and has everything to do with how we are in relationship with God. In this sense, self-denial is about separating ourselves from what has come to define us. We've spent so many years building up this persona that is not who we truly are inside. It's all based on our education and our jobs and our affiliations, on who we choose to be in relationship with, our cars, our houses, our neighborhoods. Denying self means letting go of more and more of the stuff that we've added on over the years so that we might make room for God. Denying self means allowing our desires to be replaced by God's desires for us. Taking up our cross does not mean seeking or embracing abuse or hardship for its own sake. Suffering is not redemptive in and of itself. Jesus does not mean for you to stay in an abusive relationship or to be a perpetual doormat with no boundaries, to have no conviction that you are worth protecting and fighting for. Jesus has spent seven chapters alleviating needless suffering and oppression whenever he encounters it. So he clearly doesn't endorse these things. He does mean that there are times in our lives when we realize that in losing our agenda, our control, our desires, we find our true identity and purpose. We worship a Savior who suffers and who tells us that suffering is part of our journey toward Him. Suffering and failure 
are two of the greatest teachers we have in life. It really is the hard things that end up showing us who we are, what we are made of, and what truly matters. Jesus didn't take on the burden of his cross to save us from ours. He does just the opposite. He takes on the burden of his cross that we might be able to bear ours. Taking up our cross means giving up the illusion that we can control our lives such that we can avoid experiencing pain and loss. And it means trusting that our suffering Savior accompanies and upholds us in our pain and loneliness and need. Finally, we can only know Jesus as we follow Jesus. You can't have an antiseptic, arm's length knowledge of Jesus. It's not enough to just know the gospel stories about Jesus backward and forward. It's not enough to think he's a great teacher or a good guy or like his magic tricks or to even acknowledge that he is the son of God. Think about the large, large majority of people who heard Jesus teach and preach, who saw him perform miraculous healings, who were in the crowd of 5,000 fully fed from a few measly pieces of fish and bread and who never became Jesus' disciples. They had seen him, they had heard him, they were even entertained by him, but they never followed him. And this brings us back to Peter's confession. Discipleship, denying oneself, taking up one's cross, following, is a necessary outcome of confessing Jesus to be the Messiah. Once that genie is out of the bottle, there is no putting him back. Peter had a choice to follow a Savior who requires this sacrificial obedience or to turn and walk away. Peter's choice is our choice as well. Once we know Jesus to be Messiah, we have two options. We can be like the rich young ruler who goes away sad because he can't bring himself to give up his stuff and his standing to follow Jesus. Or we can be like Peter who says, Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. We've come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Years and years ago, there was a campy TV show called Get Smart. See, you young people don't get it, but you can find it on the internet. So smart is this secret agent. And when he arrives for work, he has to go through all of these doors, security doors, to get into his office. And in the closing credits, smart walks out of the deep center of the building, out through all of these heavy sets of doors. And when he gets to the end, he turns and he looks back through all of those open doorways. That moment really captures the choice that's presented to us in today's gospel. We've begun following Christ. At first, it was all healings and wisdom and being fed. 
But now we understand that discipleship requires much of us. Denying parts of ourselves that need to be shed so that we can become more Christ-like. Allowing ourselves to be present to our suffering and understanding that God is in it with us and can redeem it. Choosing to give up following the other gods in our life, status, money, appetites, so that we might follow the one true God. We can, like the rich young ruler, say, this is too much for me. I need to stay in a more comfortable place, even if it is less good, less true. And we can turn and hightail it back through all of those open doors, returning to what we knew before. Or like Peter, we can say, where am I to go? I've come to know and believe that you are the way of eternal life. And then watch as all those doors close behind us, one set at a time, leaving us to turn and move forward in trust. What I have come to know and believe is that once you've tasted the bigger, deeper, richer life that God has planned for you, you just can't go back through those doors. You cannot be content except in a life grounded in discipleship to Christ. All the other ways of living pale in comparison. So now I ask, will you deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus? For those who want to save their life will lose it. But those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. Amen.